Uh, right, good. Uh, hello, everybody. Let me start that again. <laughs> uh, right, hello, uh, everybody. Welcome to today's Trend Signal podcast. It's the 8th of June, 2020. Uh, and today uh, we're going to be talking about, well, dollar weakness, um, very strong uh, equity markets, and much better than expected um, jobs numbers uh, last week as well. So uh, quite a lot to get through uh, today that's been really impacting uh, the markets uh, far and wide. I'm joined as ever uh, with my colleague, Jerry Miller. Hi, Jerry. Yep. Morning. Hello, everyone. Um, so, uh, well, like I said, Jerry, it's been a, a, a massive um, non-farm payroll number. Um, we're expecting a massive one anyway, but we're expecting to lose jobs. Um, but it's... Uh, Quite a shock, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. A, it was a shock because um, we had the data earlier on in the week from ADP, and you know, I've been asked by people who says, well, "Which one do you believe?" And actually, if you think about it, you could believe both of them because mm. ADP, which is that private payroll company, Adrian, that it basically does the payroll for companies, but not every company. Um, yeah. And it posted an, a contraction in jobs or loss of jobs of 2.76 million. Um, what happened with the non-farm payroll data on Friday is that the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which is a government organization, um, it came out with a number of 2.5 million increase in jobs, which is completely opposite to ADP and way off where the consensus was, a, a, jobs lo a total job loss of uh, 7.75 million. And you might be thinking, hang on, they've got to have just got the numbers wrong. Some Things gone wrong here. We're just in extraordinary times, Adrian, and that's the sort of thing that's happening. And it completely blew away all the forecasts. And uh, the well, thing is, even the ADP, ADP was still down, you know, two and a half million mm. jobs, but it was still significantly better than expectations, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, um, it was. Like, you're, you're, it was like six, seven million or something better than expected. Expected. So, yeah. I mean, as you said, extraordinary times and extraordinary sized numbers, uh, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we were expecting the US to approach a, an unemployment rate of 20% on the back of these numbers. Uh, and when the number came out, it was a complete shock. First of all, people don't believe it. Uh, and it's like, what? That's got to be a misprint. Um, and it wasn't, obviously. And then eventually they reconciled it. But then the employment rate you know, it came out at 13.3%, was 14.7%. We were expecting an employment rate of 19, an unemployment rate, sorry, not employment, unemployment rate of 19.4%. Yeah. It's just mad. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, remarkable, break, of and of course, uh, well, yeah, and of course, remarkable uh, impact on the uh, stock market. So we had some significant moves um, on the stock market at, at the tail end of the week. Joe, do you want to just give us a run through of the, the major indices? Well, for the for the week, you're right. Um, Friday, it, it it gave a lift to certainly U.S. markets and European markets with the DAX and FTSE also powering ahead. But on a week where the markets had just gone up and continued to go up in a relatively straight line, as you can see, that's the FTSE. Same thing with the S&P, same thing with the Dow that you're just showing now. now look at the gains. It was stellar gains, but yeah. the, the best gains we've seen uh, probably for like three weeks. Uh, but on the week, the Dow, 1,584 points up, Adrian. That's 6%, above 6%. Um, yeah, remember, they, it's just 30 components in the Dow, so it, it tends to be not quite in line with the, the big market, the S&P 500, which is 500 stocks as opposed to 30 in the Dow, but that was still up 131. And that was what, just shy of four and a half percent, which is huge. 
much. Mm. But the standout market, and we were talking about this last week, because the FTSE doesn't have any tech stock. So we're going to continue to lag, even with our Brexit negotiations hanging over us. Um, it, we lag because we're sort of rather uh, dominated by, as we said, oil and um, resource stocks, miners and yeah. the like. But the DAX, 1,100 points higher last week, by far and away the best performer. That's close on 9.5% uh, rally. But um, it just, I, I, for me, I tried to explain this to people. We tried to um, look at the numbers and you can't look at the economic data. The reality is bad at the moment, but these markets are not ignoring reality, but they're just being optimistic and they, they are forecasting and predicting the way they're behaving, a, a swift recovery, a, a V-shaped recovery, I'd say. Not a shoo-in, but that's yeah. what they're predicting. Well, we, we look how far away we are from the, the highs now. You know, obviously, you know, it's around the 20th of February that it really started to kick off, wasn't it? And there we are, we're only yeah. a thousand points. What's that sort of, I don't know, seven or eight percent off the highs yeah, on the back? Six and a half, like six and a half percent. Yeah, uh, you're right. S&Ps, um, similarly, um, probably about five percent uh, off the highs now. Yeah, yeah. Um, staggering, actually, you consider what actually we went down and you know what i've also found quite interesting just sort of reviewing the sort of longer term moves on you know some of these markets or economies that we thought would really struggle with this were likes of the australian uh, the australian dollar you know those markets yeah. those uh, that, yeah. that currency had a significant fall from february really sort of gathering yeah. speed in march but look how much higher the aussie dollar is against the us dollar now um yeah. and you can see that across most of the currencies you know you look at february's around this sort of point of the chart um mm. you know it's trading higher on pretty much pretty much everything against pretty much everything else uh, yeah. well i think that the view generally amongst forex traders is that the australian economy along with the new zealand economy they managed to dodge the uh, a, a big impact from the pandemic bullet don't, don't get me wrong they've still had to go into lockdown so it's been tough uh, and they are going to be in a recession but you know everything's you know comparable and i think you look at the what the australian and new zealand economies have done and they've they've done well yeah. um as to whether you know this is going to be maintained in the longer run it really depends on demand from china and remember australia basically well, generates right, all revenue from china selling heavily correlated to that so yeah. i'd say the yeah. reaction of this is more to do with the speed in which china recovered um than perhaps um, so much about australia itself uh, probably yeah i no. i I'd, I'd say that and i i, I would um you know, suggest that it's also partly now down to this dollar weakness that you referred to at the beginning of this piece. So, uh, yeah, but it's impressive. You, you, you know, when you're looking at it, it, when it was down at 115, 120, you wouldn't have thought it'd be here by the no. time, uh, you know, uh, three months later. But here it is. Extraordinary. Yeah. 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 Sorry, go on. Yeah, that's well, I, I was going to go back to currencies to, to indices as well but you're right well, let's get on to the dollar in a second because the other thing i wanted to point out with the s p is that it's 40 percent from the lows of course this is from rebounding back up which is the most extraordinary thing going and of course the other reason why markets have done really well last week remember the ecb announced that extra um, uh, qe increase which is just i mean 
by any measure, is just huge, 600 mm. billion. That's on top of, I think, was it the existing one was 750 billion of QE? Uh, but yeah. that was due to run out at the end of October on current sort of spending by um, ECB. So they, they wanted to comfort the markets with that. But remember, the other thing that's happened is they've got this um, fund. So the ECB is going to be is issuing bonds in the name of the um, you know, member states. And now, <laughs> classic European uh, Eurozone, there's there's now an argument about um, um, who's, who should receive what, because it's based as uh, the, the, each country's population and in their relative GDPs. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's just classic. But anyway, it's, it's done a world of good. Markets love it. And um, as I say, thanks to the largesse of uh, governments and central banks, these markets have just powered ahead. I mean, one thing yeah. you might concerned be concerned about though is you know if, if you're a market watcher and the market participants love all this largesse um, i'm not sure that the fed are going to be running to add any more stimulus measures to the whole thing uh, looking at what happened with non-farm payroll lots friday do you uh it would no, you would think not i think they're probably just going to sit back and watch a little bit i would yeah think. i'd say Wednesday, Wednesday will be interesting because we've got the um, Fed um, Fed statement, uh, haven't we, on Wednesday, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, so let me just bring up the calendar very quickly. Yeah, so we've got the uh, economic projections uh, Fed statement uh, as well on Wednesday evening. We're sort of jumping around with the sort of usual order of things. But um, it's going to be about what they say, isn't it? Because we're certainly not going to expect them to change the rates. That's for no, sure. No, they, that, a, they're not going to change the rates. B, I don't. I think they're unlikely to engage in any other change to a monetary stimulus that they've um, um, put into the markets, put into the system. Um, and I think, as you just said, Jerome Powell and his um, committee, I think they're going to wait and see now. There's certainly no need, looking at the stock market performing, uh, and the dollar uh, and the dollar's move as a consequence of lots lots of things we can get onto in a second. But certainly, um, I think the interesting thing on um, Wednesday evening, Adrian, will be at 7:30 when um, Jerome Powell has the sort of online press conference, um, and that'll be interesting because I, I, I think the markets we we would love to know what he thinks about the pickup in, in employment, um, mm. because uh, they would have the Federal Reserve would have had the same consensus. Uh, from the rest of the market, thinking there was going to be a big sort of, you know, another fall, significant fall in employment or increase in unemployment, and the opposite happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and also, I'd love to know what they think about the current dollar weakness. But um, I'm not allowed to ask any questions. I hope someone does. <laughs> I'm sure they will. Uh, I'm yeah. sure they will. Okay. So um, currency-wise, then, so really uh, a bit of a slip in the dollar. Uh, really, last yeah. week you see. Um, if you look at say pound dollar, uh, you can see quite a big rise in the pound, uh, even with the uh, the Brexit uh, sort of talks going yeah. on. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. Euro dollar, uh, Euro rallying significantly against the dollar in the last few years. It, it, it's a good proxy for the dollar index, the euro. I think it's about 56% of the euro dollar basket, sorry, the dollar um, index basket. So that pretty much says what's going on with the dollar. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's weakening um, quite a lot. And we mentioned last week that the tide had turned, that uh, more people were bear the most bearish on the dollar now since the uh, beginning of March. Uh, and it's something that a lot of analysts called for at the beginning of the, week, the year before the pandemic started, uh, which is quite interesting. So uh, on the week, I think the euro gained close on two cents against the dollar. Sterling, three 
just over three cents against the dollar. So uh, uh, a significant uh, improvement there. And for all those doomsayers about sterling, which could still come to pass, but uh, for now, sterling, yeah, put in a, a monster performance. Um, well, particularly if we still don't really agree much over the next month or so um, with with Brexit. I mean, I, I guess that could have quite a negative impact on the pound. We still haven't really recovered from when, or nowhere near yeah. recovered from when uh, it all sort of got voted through in the first place back in uh, what, no, 16? June 16, yeah. Yeah, uh, it it uh, it dropped sort of twenty percent in three months, didn't it? But I think uh, that was in following the referendum in June that year. Um, but you know, like most currencies, the pound's rallied and it's um, gone past that one twenty five level, which I, I think is quite significant. I mean, um, the levels we hit um, earlier on today were the levels we last hit as we were falling sharply against the dollar in, at the start of the pandemic. You know, when we fell from sort of one thirty one oh, down. Yeah. To, Oh dear, below 115. I and mean, honestly, it looked like someone had pulled the plug out the bath when that happened. That was uh, a right old uh, tip out. But yeah, I'm. Uh, I think we wanted to talk about Brexit, or we have mentioned Brexit a few times, and I feel like we're sort of winding the clock back now. Uh, we sort of left Brexit, and we were on pandemic mode, but Brexit has come back again to haunt us, Adrian. Um, yeah. The, yeah. The, 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 the talks ended last week. Not much progress both sides really are trying to defend these red line positions you know about maintaining a, a fair a level playing field is the mantra isn't, from, isn't, isn't this always the way though you know they sort of defend 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 until they sort yeah. of what well, someone sort of caves in or both cave in you know at yeah. the 11th hour yeah, yeah they are. i mean that, that, especially the eu the eu are masters of just pulling out a deal at the 11th hour and it just it's almost like We've got a whole year to negotiate. I'll tell you what, let's just turn up for the last week of December and get it done, shall we? <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, it's almost like a complete waste of time, uh, but it's not a waste of time because a lot of chats had. Um, but, you know, the UK has basically ruled out an extension to the um, to this sort of inter interregnum period, this period where we uh, have left the European Union, uh, but we're waiting to secure a trade deal. Um, uh, and we've set our own deadline here in the UK, the 31st of December, and, and the UK has basically ruled that out uh, in terms of extending it. So it'll be 31st of December, whether we have a deal or not. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that's it. I think as a, as a currency trader, I'd sort of support that because otherwise you end up with this sort of can being kicked down the road constantly. And of course, what happens is that the, you know, the market reacts then suddenly to any little, you know, little news bite that comes out. So you have a big jolt in one direction for one day and then the markets will stop um, yeah, and you yeah. sort of lack much follow through. And I think if we can just put this whole thing to bed and let the markets yeah. just do what the markets enjoy doing, which is yeah. turning, rotating, extending uh, yeah. and allowing those traders to get on some proper moves. Uh, you know? Oh, yeah. Having a more pure market rather than driven by news, rumour and counter-rumour. I absolutely agree, Adrian. But I I also think politically, the, the, we talked about the way the EU negotiates. If, if you just said, OK, well, let's kick it down the can, can down the road for another nine months, it won't be done until close to the end of the extra nine months. You've just got to have a winning, a finishing line. It's got to be now. Uh, and I think, I don't, I don't mean now, I mean it's got to be 31st of December and that's it. We don't move from it. Focus is everyone's mind. That's it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, okay, um, what about the commodities, uh, Jerry? Obviously, um, 
you know, oil, um, sorry, gold rather, tends to move the opposite way to uh, the indices, doesn't it? As that sort of risk on um, sort of moves came in last week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Gold, gold is uh, traditionally referred to as a, a safe haven. Uh, so when, when we've referred to this phrase, risk off, risk on, risk off, when people trade as investors are taking money off out of their investments, selling uh, riskier investments, which are equities uh, and putting them into bonds, sovereign bonds, which are very yo low yielding, not going to give you much of a return, in fact, a negative return if you're not careful. Uh, and the dollar was always regarded as a safe haven, so is gold. But um, certainly in the face of the um, significant rally we've seen in equities, gold has struggled. Um, even on the back of this weakening dollar that we've seen over what eight trading days, Adrian, you'd expect it gold to have um, perhaps, you know, uh, picked up on in the local currency in terms, but it hasn't done at all. Um, and I think this strong and non-farm payroll data was the uh, final straw that broke the camel's back. Although it has still rebounding a little bit this morning, isn't it? Um, so yeah. gold is, uh, you know, back up um, what sort of eight or nine dollars, but. Fridays was what the lowest close since um, late April. I mean, not a million miles away, but yeah, it's sort of, um, it's definitely been, it's starting to make lower highs, if you know what I mean. And, and if it if it does take out, I suppose that low, yeah, from yeah, just there or yeah, around around those sort of areas. Yeah, there, that low, low from April there. I mean, there's, there's quite a bit of bit of freedom to fall uh, there if is. it takes out that sort there of 1659, 1658 area there. That could lead to quite a big yeah. fall in prices. But you know, again, that's really a function of what happens on the uh, the equity markets. Uh, really, I would yeah. Say. yeah, I'd say, I'd say. Uh, um, okay, and, um, and oil. Oil. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, <laughs> what can you say about oil? Um, oil. Um, OPEC Plus, which is OPEC Plus Russia, um, you know, they've um, agreed that cut in production of what 10%, mm. which was way too little uh, before the market completely melted and went, uh, well, effectively went negative, but that, it wasn't the price going negative, it's the storage cost going, creating a negative scenario. But uh, they've agreed to extend the production cuts for a further month, uh, which you might think, what, a month? What's what good is that going to do? But just to remind everyone that the, the cuts that were agreed in April of 10%, it was originally envisaged that the they would gradually ease those cuts, i.e., cutting it to cutting the cuts from 10 million barrels a day to seven and a half million barrels per day. And I think they've just decided not to start cutting their production cuts, if you know what I mean. Uh, and they're going to keep them where they are for the time being. Um, and it's, it's just interesting, you know, there's been a what has been described as uh, if you take an average price around you know where it was three months ago two or three months ago it's, it's gone up by f a fourfold increase in prices since um late april so that's two months really uh, mm. so one and a half but it's just an extraordinary move uh, but the thing about all of this adrian is that u.s shale oil producers are waiting in the wings to increase their production and that's exactly what's going to happen. And it must be a little bit frustrating for OPEC because OPEC basically have had to weather the storm, cut production. But of course, they're a cartel. Uh, and in most countries, it would be illegal. But uh, they're doing it for their own benefit. But the benefit also uh, is on the US because the US shale oil, uh, US production is probably the largest in the world now. And so the US shale producers are expected to increase their production by 20%. So two more million barrels per day of production are going to come into the supply chain um, at a time when 
you know, um, OPEC were thinking about increasing their production as well. So it's something they're just going to have to tread very carefully. But of course, OPEC don't want the US increasing their production, but of course, they've got absolutely no powers over that. Thank God. Well, it, we've said before about it's actually quite expensive to produce um, shale uh, oil. And uh, yeah. what, what did you say? Something like $50, $50 a barrel to actually produce well, it. But of course, uh, the prices get up towards those levels. And I'm sure there's some heavy subsidies that are going on and so on. And of course, mm. they're going to want to increase production because suddenly it's just more profitable or less loss making. Perhaps. Well, they, they, they talk about the average cost of production being somewhere between 40 and 50 bucks. So as you say, approaching uh, 40, 45 dollars, uh, things get quite interesting. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think they need to take what they can get because the oil, the shale oil production in, in the US is going to struggle later on in the year because, you know, in the wake of uh, <laughs> five, ten dollar barrel per oil, uh, price per oil, uh, per barrel, uh, they, they've they had to suspend and cut a lot of their new drilling for later this year because they run out of money. And because they've suspended and cut a lot of this drilling, uh, their production is going to fall away towards the end of the year because it's, that's how it works. Um, they continually need to be, you know, drilling for new oil, exploring for new oil um, and all that fracking um, is, is expensive. Uh, but it needs they it constantly needs new investment. So it's a bit of a tightrope between production and um, uh, you know revenue in terms of the, the price of oil. They've uh, they've got to think a long way ahead and hope that the price stays up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So what about um, we'll move on to the, the the calendar for the week ahead in just a second. I think one thing that I think the, the sort of the listeners would probably like to hear a little bit more about Jerry is to do with the recovery. We've seen the, the you know the, the rise of the stock market. It's a little bit more um, V-shaped uh, than uh, I think most people were expecting, certainly not a Nike tick. Um, yeah. So what does that mean? Does that mean that the economy is going to be recovering into the same extent as the stock market or are we following a different sort of um, different plan? Uh, really with the well, it, 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 it's, it's difficult to believe wholeheartedly in what the stock market's telling us all. I mean, you think as it approaches, what are we down? Just, just over 1% down on the year. And it's extraordinary. And yet we've we've suffered a pandemic and a global lockdown that has created economies uh, and, and the effects are going to be as bad as the Great Depression from the 1930s, except in the 1930s, they didn't quite understand what they should and could do to recover the situation. Of course, no QE didn't really exist then. Um, You'd think that everything was going to be over very quickly here and that we're on for a V-shaped recovery. And I think it's probably looking more likely. And do I think it's going to happen? I'm still not sure. I just think it it is more like, slightly more likely, but I, I'd say probably the best description is far from certain. Um, mm. and, and what you see in the stock market is just pure optimism. optimism. And of course, we're only seeing an average, of course, in the stock market. You're seeing that, you know, that the, the certain companies are dragging the whole index up whereas actually a lot of the companies are still not doing very well uh, with their share yeah, a lot of them well we we discussed that last week you know there's 30 percent of the, com the, the um, constituents are down 20 percent yeah. uh, you know you have to look at anyone any remotely connected with the travel leisure hospitality industry you know boeing uh, rolls royce all those companies associated with it absolutely killed all the op airport operators bus manufacturers train you know the whole world huge huge you know and you're right um it, it's far from clear and, and that's why a lot of hedge funds 
as reported in the FT over the weekend, are preparing for, for another dip. Yeah, um, which probably is the reason why it's still going up. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you know what, Joe? We, we've talked about this, and uh, I looked at some of the subject lines over um, when we started the podcast back in October. And you know, one thing that keeps coming back is there is no alternative, and no. well, there isn't. <laughs> so no, no, that, that's no, just the reality, and there continues to be uh, no alternative. In fact, um, there's probably fewer alternatives now than there were back then because rates are even lower now interest rates yeah, so yeah yeah you know, well and, and then somewhere then they've just got to be about careful about which stocks they are and that's actually what's happening they're, they're putting it into the stocks that are doing well uh, yeah that's right that's right i mean you know you ask is a recover recovery obvious I, I don't think it is obvious i think the, the counter argument is stock markets reflect optimism uh, and but the reality is that uh, you know, all these readings we look at when we look at the calendar, uh, they're really ghastly. They're horrendous, deep in the red. Governments have borrowed massive amounts of uh, money to offset the effects of the pandemic. Uh, you know, we've talked about how generous the packages are in the US. There are a lot of people who've been, uh, who are on, um, you know, uh, in, in benefits out in the US who are earning more not working when they, than when they worked. Um, how you wean those people back off, I'm not sure, but I'm sure they'll have a way. Um, and interest uh, rates, central banks have cut rates where possible. Negative, even negative rates have been discussed here in the UK. You know, in fact, our money markets are forecasting negative rates uh, March next year. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Uh, and the US have ruled it out. But the fact is, you would have never had this the discussion about this a few months ago. Yeah, the thing is, you can rule it out, but you know the, that's not to say it's not going to happen. We're just trying to put yeah. a, a positive um, yeah. uh, spin on things, really. Aren't we? We're not so weak that we're going to need to do that. Well, I think you know, until even our bonds until we do need to, and then it's a sure yeah. But you know, our bonds have joined joined the ranks. Oh, that's the UK bonds, gilts as they're referred to, have joined the, the ranks of negative yielding bonds. You know, and there's something like 17 trillion dollars worth of sovereign bonds globally that give you less money back than what you used to buy them with. It, it, it's the most extraordinary, you know, talk about Tina, there is definitely, it should be an, a, an exclamation mark after, there isn't an alternative. And that's There's of course- no alternative what, to tech stocks. Then we should just no, no, change the acronym somehow. But, but, but that's what, you know, central banks are trying to do. They're trying to force banks, institutions to put their money to work and not, sit on it and hoard it which is an expensive business that will actually cost you money and gives you a negative rate of return yeah um okay so shall we um let's move on uh and uh, just finish off the session joe by looking at the calendar uh for yeah. the week ahead uh we've looked at a couple of these bits uh, already but what are we what are we talking about as the main events that are going to uh, likely to impact the uh the currency markets and the stock markets this week well one event that's already happened is the uh, UK quarantine rules come into force today, which I noted um, uh, on the BBC website in the business section that um, Michael O'Leary has referred to it as a stunt <laughs> by the UK <laughs> government, i.e., you know, how is it going to be enforced and et cetera, et cetera. But it's like a lot of rules. They, they, sometimes they can't be enforced. Look at all the people demonstrating um, uh, for Black Lives Matter in the UK. No more than six people allowed to gather at any, together at any one 
place and Dominic Cummings was vilified for doing what he did <laughs> and for some reason all of this has been allowed to happen and people have justified it by saying that racism is a pan pandemic as well. Uh, I don't know what to say about it but um, anyway uh, so so the UK quarantine comes in the fourth day also uh, we've got as far as the um, uh, the, um, the Ryanair boss you know it's it's really a it's really a case of just trying to stop people from wanting to come here in the first place. So if that dissuades 60% of the people that would have flown here, then maybe that's mm -hmm. just not enough uh, what it needed to do, you know, because you, you're right, you're not going to stop everybody. Not everyone's going to do that home quarantining or whatever the rules are, no, but at least it, no. it it might put people off to say, actually, there's no point. Is there? Let's, have a Zoom. Probably let's, have a Zoom. let's have a Zoom meeting instead, shall we? But, but Adrian, it's quite tough on the UK tourism industry because the, they basically have got to get fat in uh, July and August. Uh, that's where they make all their revenue to survive for the rest of the year, pretty much. Um, and if this these rules have come in now, anyone who's making plans for July and August is going to look at the UK and think, no, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to have to spend two weeks in quarantine. <laughs> um, so even if, she, if Pretty Patel does lift this in a couple of weeks or three weeks or makes allowances, it might be too late. I don't know. Maybe not. Um, we'll see. Yeah. Um, yes, okay. And um, the calendar? Uh, Canada really, it, after non-farm payroll week, the, the following week, it's all a bit thin on the ground, really. But I mean, the first thing I've got to just talk about is probably uh, Christine Lagarde, the chairperson, chairwoman of the European Central Bank, as you can see there. Uh, she's in one of these um, socially distanced uh, Zoom presentations uh, and this is to, to the European Parliament um, Economic and Monetary Affairs Committee so it could be quite interesting anything that she says about the European uh, Eurozone economy uh, and the action that the central bank are taking and also the likelihood that they get this um, bond issuance away uh, if they can uh, raise anywhere between 600 and 750 billion in support of the European economy and that's another reason why the euro is right of course so uh, that would be interesting uh, the next one nothing on Tuesday really or, or nothing that I care to talk about in this time left but Wednesday is an important day um, we've got uh, inflation data out of the US that's the consumer price index there if you just see that that's the mm. it's the core one we look at that one excludes the more volatile food components that um, can cause it to be a bit erratic but uh, don't look good does it CPI um, we, we we, we need uh, every every economy needs a modicum of inflation to be able to raise prices. Uh, business people love to be able to plan and also raise prices, and then they can invest more in their business. No inflation, not good, I'm afraid, not good at all. Yeah, um, that, that's true. But then, of course, a big chunk of that fall would have been down to um, oil prices, oil. correct, and so correct. on. And actually, I imagine a lot of the recovery is, well, oil prices as well. So it'd be interesting yeah. to see it without oil, uh, I would say. Well, the, the, the oil oil price affects plastics, affects and a lot of it's everything. the major costs is, is, is logistics, delivery. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, and, and the Fed, well, we talked about that already, the FMC uh, meeting on Wednesday, culminating in that press conference at 7.30. That's the thing to stick around for uh, if you're uh, wanting to um, uh, see a bit of market reaction, potentially. Uh, that's certainly yeah. potential. So day traders, just be a little bit careful uh, on the announcement times, that's all. Um, as, we start to, yeah. as, as, as traders digest it, that's, that's really what we'd say there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, Thursday, uh, we've got um, something called the PPI, uh, something that 
not everyone looks at. This is the producer price index. So that, that actually is the cost of goods going into production. So um, um, CPI is the cost of those goods and services that people pay for. Um, this is the cost of, the, the, of goods going into that production. And often it's sort of regarded as a, a bit of a, a leading indicator to inflation. And of course, um, if you look at that, you're just going to think, well, there's absolutely no chance of any inflation. You'd be right. There isn't any chance of inflation. Uh, not for now. Uh, although all this government spending that we've uh, seen happening across the globe, uh, that might come back to haunt us in a few years. Um, and then Mon uh, and Friday, a bit of UK stuff, actually. Um, we've got the monthly GDP data. It's something that we never really looked at before because it's the quarterly data that we rely on. But uh, you know, 40 days after the month end, uh, they get to, to publish um, the monthly data for April, which is the first month of the new quarter, Q2, Adrian. Yeah. And I think it's just horrendous. Minus 18%. I, I feel like taking a picture, of, a screenshot of this, because it is. we will not see this happen again in our lifetimes. I'm sorry, yeah. we won't. Well, you see the scale, you know, going back a couple of years. I mean, I, I don't know if you can go back further. I probably can't. But, you know, just the, the magnitude of the fall compared to what it has been. You know, it or... just looks like a flat line, doesn't it, until you get this. Yeah. There's so many charts do. They're so distorted by these recent numbers. It's, it's remarkable. Yeah. But we won't see this again. There will not be. There will be. There, will, there may well be more pandemics, but we're going to be prepared for them next time. Yeah. And this is the reason why economists like Singapore, like Hong Kong have done relatively well in combating things because they're used to dealing with you know MERS and SARS and things like that so uh, and and um, this just yeah it, it's one for the scrap the, the family scrapbook Adrian you can tell your grandchildren in the years to come oh I was around I bet they can't wait for that conversation <laughs> <laughs> granddad granddad tell me about the GDP back in 2020 I want to know <laughs> yeah, I can see that I can see that uh, bedtime story Adrian um, <laughs> Any, anyway, uh, manufacturing production also in the UK, um, a minority of uh, overall productivity, but, but but still important in that most of our, you know, uh, productivity comes from uh, services, but a pretty dire reading, nevertheless, 15 and a half percent. You know, question is, how quickly is this going to recover? Uh, and then a little favorite one of mine um, from the US, uh, um, the preliminary reading of the consumer sentiment from the University of Michigan, which, uh, yeah, the, the, the whole premise, the reason why it's so important, it's a good leading indicator of consumers are happy, consumers spend money. When consumers spend money, companies that sell them those services and goods receive more revenue. If they receive more revenue, they can make more profits. If they make more profits, companies are happy and the economies are happy and governments are happy. Yeah. So it, it's good to see consumers um, recovering their poise a little bit, but it's, it's only a modest bounce, but hey, it's a start. Well, it'll be interesting to see how people feel after the non-farm payroll number. That might uh, give a, a bit of a boost to it, who knows? Yeah. Well, of course, not after thing. all these riots, but you never know. Yeah, well, it, that's a good point, actually, that those riots are not helping sentiment at all. But I think, um, you know, the uh, a lot of, a lot of um, consumers, unlike here in the UK, they they check their uh, stock portfolios quite regularly. Uh, and the yeah. improvement in the stock market, certainly as it's continued over the last month, um, will bolster uh, sentiment significantly, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah. Um, and, and maybe it will help Trump get reelected, but he's still 10 points behind in the opinion polls, even with the stock market doing what he's doing.
Yeah. We'll see. Lots of, uh, lots of lots of interesting stories and accusations to come until yeah. November, well, I think. Someone suggested that his wife should hide his phone at night so he can't get onto Twitter and make a fool of himself. But um, that's, that's... Oh, perhaps it's that that got him elected in the first place. <laughs> you know, well, I was going to say, that's probably part of the formula. Yeah, yeah. at least that's what he thinks. But, uh, yeah. Remarkable so, time for politics, that's for sure. Isn't it? Isn't it? isn't it um right okay well i think is that that's pretty much it jerry i think yeah, Would that, we agree? Uh, yeah. yeah that's the end of the uh, run of the calendar this week uh, it's a lightish calendar this week okay so um just a, a very quick um uh, blurb at the end then really we've got um um, we're going to be putting some of this uh, knowledge uh, into practice. We're looking at some of the uh, strategies in our live events this week. We're running three events this week um, that we'd love you to come along to. So if you'd like to find out more about us, uh, how we teach our traders um, to trade the markets more effectively, uh, then we'd love you to welcome you to one of our upcoming live trading webinars. We've got a few, as I say, this week coming up. And you can find them uh, and the schedule on our short link here, which is bit.ly, so bit.ly slash learn ts and you can come along book a free place on one of our live trading events and we'll teach you one of our favorite trading strategies and show you a bit more about how we do things here so we'd love to what you can welcome you along there so bit.ly slash learn ts uh, otherwise uh, everybody um have a great week's trading we'll be back as usual uh this time next week uh, for our next podcast uh, so keep the risk um nice and safe guys and we'll see you then bye-bye for now <laughs>